and we're trying to find Jesus in every book. Now, why would we want to do that? Well, there's a lot of reasons, because we want to know that the Old Testament is just as important as the New Testament. New Testament is just as important as the Old Testament. Because if you're not a Christian, you're still under the Old Testament. If you are a Christian, you're under the New Testament. So you're either one or the other. You're either dead in your sins or you're alive in Christ. You're either in the physical realm or you're in the spiritual realm. And Jesus is the center of all that. And so uh, Jesus is prophesied in the Old Testament. That means he was foretold that he was coming. Jesus revealed in the Gospels. So the Gospels, the good news. And he was preaching the good news even before he went to the grave and, and he rose. He was preaching himself because he is the good news. And so Jesus revealed in the gospel. Jesus is in action in the book of Acts. That's why it's called Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the actions of the Apostles. Jesus is explained in the New Testament. And then Jesus is coming back in Revelation. The whole Bible points to Jesus. And this wasn't like a second plan or like, uh, you know, uh, in football, Hail Mary, you know, and just throw the ball out there. This was God's plan from the beginning to bring us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And so we have Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua and Judges and Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Chronicles. Thank you, um, uh, Dean, for doing those books. He was like, I have four books. Anyway, I just left him for that. Uh, and then we have Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther and Job and Psalms and Proverbs. And now, anybody know? Ecclesiastes. <laughs> this is one of my favorite books. And you're going to be like, that's really depressing. Why do you like that book? Well, because the ending. See, I always love the ending. Uh, in college, I have to admit, I got my college degree by reading the beginning of each chapter and the end. That's it. Okay? I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, I did a uh, uh, four-year degree in five years. I'm sorry. Okay. So, um, when we're talking about the meaning of life, now, Solomon was really cool. Okay? Solomon had everything you could ever want. Literally. And he said about the meaning of life, we're going to get to that, but really when we're talking about the meaning of life, there are some pictures that come to my head. Oh, wait a minute. We'll, we'll stop right there. So the meaning of life could be knowledge, riches, help others, help yourself, do the best you can, self-centered, God-centered, purpose, moralities, truth, world domination. What are we doing tonight, Pinky? Where, anyway. Um, get every pleasure out of life and discover something. I mean, we could always go around and saying, hey, what's the meaning of life? Well, I need to discover something great. I need to discover the cure for cancer. Well, it boils down to two things. We're either self-motivated on selfish meaning of life, or we're God-centered, and that brings meaning to life. So a selfish meaning of life would be Joseph Campbell here. He said this. He's a philosopher, you know. Life has no meaning. Each of us have meaning, and we bring it to life. It is a waste to be asking the question when you are the answer. And where does that put us? God, in the God seat. I'm not God. I don't want to be God. I don't have all the answers. But yet society says, oh, you know it all. It's what pleasures you. It's what desires. It's what is your... Identity, it's what everything is about you. And the Bible says totally the opposite, it's about Jesus. <laughs> and we come to church, we're like, we need to feel good. No, we need to make God glorified. Now, the repercussion of that, I mean, not the repercussion, or the, 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 um, 
what am I trying to say? The, uh, the uh, gift of worshiping God centerly is that you get blessings, but you don't worship God because of the blessings. You understand that? Okay. It's God first, and if he doesn't give us any blessings, he's still God. He still is to be worshipped. That's why when we're going through trials and tribulations and, and temptation, we can still say God is good, because he's still the center. And so, God-centered meaning of life. Ecclesiastes, oh, there's some pictures that we're going to go through here uh, after this. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. I gave you the ending of the book. But we're going to get there. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. This is the job that every woman, children, and man has in their life, or should be in their life. Because if not, we don't know the meaning of life. We just know it as, I'm going to get disappointed in my spouse. I'm going to get disappointed in my things. I'm going to get disappointed in my job. I'm going to be disappointed in the discoveries I have. Because if God is not the center, it is absolutely pointless. And how do we know that? Well, Solomon got everything. He got every wife. He got every um, pleasure. He got all the wisdom. He got all the riches. He got everything he ever desired. And yet he was like, I am empty. It is meaningless. So when we say, oh yeah, we, we need like millions and millions of dollars and then we'll be all set. We'll have all the pleasures. We'll do everything that we want to do. Money is not the answer. It's not the meaning of life. According to these pictures, we think meaning of life is outbirth, grow a little older, college, in debt, or money, I guess. Get older, older, you're dead. Go ahead to the next one. We think when we're talking about the meaning of life, oh, look, we're, we're children, we get together, we get married, we get old, we die, and then we see you in heaven. That's pretty empty, isn't it? When we think life is just that. Look at this. In Mighty Python, it says the, li- the meaning of life is what? Anyway, and nobody gets that. It's okay. I, I like British comedy. All right. So. What? Oh, it is. The Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy, not Mighty Python. Anyway, I like comedy anyway. So, King Solomon had everything that he ever wanted, every wisdom, every riches, every power, all the pleasures. And he says in this book what that got him. Now, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Mm, that's a lot of mother-in-laws. But anyway, now remember, God did not condone that. He didn't say that was right. That was his pleasure, Solomon's pleasure, more than what God wanted. But he came up with wisdom. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, he says, What has been will be again. Now listen to this. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Let me repeat that. There is nothing new under the sun. Now we say, oh, well, we have a, a new cell phone. We have a new TV. We have a new car. We have a new... You know those things were around when Adam and Eve were around, right? Nobody just put them together at that time. We're breathing the same air Adam and Eve breathed. We, we, we are on the same earth and planet that Adam and Eve was on. We see the same dirt that Adam and Eve People die, animals die, they go in the dirt, we grow things, and we eat that plant. And we're like, oh, yeah, we're breathing the same air. Everything's the same. There's nothing new under the sun. God created everything in six days, and he rested on the seventh. 
So everything in the universe has been created, and there's nothing new. Nothing is new. Even though scientists are like, well, there's a new star. There's a new universe. No, it's not new. God put it there. Now, we discover it because light travels that far to get there. But there's nothing new. That's wise. Because once we start at that point that there's nothing new under the sun, then we can go from there and say, hey, God is the center. And so from there, we can go out in the meaning of life. Because if everything is still on the planet, everything is still here, everything is, there's nothing new, then the only thing that can make things new is who? God. He can take our, our horribleness, our shame, our guilt, our need for a savior, everything, and rip that out and bring us to life and give us a new name and a new purpose and a new love and a new soul. So, Solomon says this. Everything is meaningless. Everything is pointless. Or some translations say, everything is vain. Vain upon vain. It's vanity. Ecclesiastes 1-2 says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Wow, it's such a depressing book. I'm so sorry you had to come today. No. But it's true. If, the, if, it, if God is not the center, it's absolutely meaningless. Because you can't take it with you. Anybody see a U-Haul going down the road with a funeral? No, you can't take it with you. So, if we think everything is meaningless without God, then if we have wisdom without God, it is what? Okay, there we go. There's the theme going here. So understanding wisdom is meaningless. And you're thinking, well... Frankie, you you preach that Proverbs and Psalms were books of wisdom and that we should study them and we should practice them. Yes, but who gave us that wisdom? God. So it all comes back to God. See how that works? If we're not with God, if we're not, our marriage is useless, our jobs are useless, our cars, our money, our college educations, our, our schooling, our homeschooling, everything is meaningless if it doesn't center around God. And so why, why even go to college? Why even do anything? Why, why do we even want to work if everything is meaningless? Because God brings meaning to it. If you don't, then whew, it's a horrible life. We're just going to have pleasures and die and warm food, and then whatever happens, happens. We call that nihilism. But that's not what God says. Ecclesiastes 1.18 says, For with much wisdom comes much, what? Sorrow. For the more knowledge, the more grief. Isn't that true? Like, just think back when you were a child. Man, you just had innocent, like beyond innocent. You were like, wow, this is awesome. I can do anything I want. I can jump off buildings. I can, I can jump off stairs. I can do anything I want. But then when you first got hurt, you're like, oh, this really hurts. Mom, come heal my boo-boo. And then we got to start saying, oh, we got to back up a little bit and not do that. That's, that, that's painful. And then we start getting into a teenage years and you're like, oh, i got to question everything. Oh, I'm getting all this knowledge and I just don't know where it's coming from. And Good grief. I know everything. And so you got to move out and your parents know nothing. Anyway, I was in that boat too. Let me get that wisdom like, well, should I go to college? Should I work? Should I be an apprentice? Should I go to the military? And then when you start going into those businesses, 
Then you have this more knowledge, and you're like, oh, that brings me more grief. <laughs> it's like, why can't we just stay with a kid in our mom's house? And then we have pleasure. Boy, do I love pleasure. Now you're thinking, well, I love the pleasure of food. I love the pleasure of of being with my wife. I love the pleasure of being with my kids. I love the pleasure of, like, driving with nobody in the car, with the stereo booming and I'm headbanging. Anyway, you can headbang to Christian music. It's okay. But if it's not God-centered, what is it? Meaningless. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. I said to myself, this is Solomon, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also provided to be meaningless. Because our definition of pleasure is way far away from what God's pleasure is. Then we have this great scripture. It was was, uh, put in a song. um, To everything turn, turn. You know that song? By the turtles, right? Something like that. Uh, And it it actually came from the Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. But right after that, in verse 11, it says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Gio, what do I say all the time when I'm in in school? Hello. I love you. Oh, I do. Yeah, beautiful people. Okay, I either say I love you or you're beautiful people. If you're like, oh, I'm not beautiful. Yes, you are in your own time. Well, I guess sometimes after that time. But anyway, you are beautiful in God's sight. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Guys, all of humanity... If you look at history, all of humanity is searching for something to fill the void. Every culture worships something. Every culture, every person worships either themselves or what culture says, or they worship God. If they're worshiping themselves or they're worshiping culture, it's meaningless. It has no meaning. That's why we have rise of suicide. That's why we have rise of violence. That's why we have rise of everything else, because they're not putting... The emphasis on Jesus Christ. They want the pleasure without the consequence. So time is meaningless if it's not with Jesus. Riches. (laughs) Even the poor want to be rich. Even the rich want more. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. Have you ever seen somebody win the lottery or known somebody? What happens when they win the lottery? Stuck up. Yeah, they're stuck up. They, they spend money like frivolously, and every friend comes out of the woodwork, right? <laughs> or they don't pay their taxes, and they get thrown in jail. But even when you win all that, they're like, it's empty, it's meaningless, because... I, of those people say, I didn't want to win it at all after they've spent it. They're like, I really, I I thought I wanted it, but I didn't really want it. It's meaningless if it's not pointed to God. Solomon had all the riches. People are still trying to search the world for all his riches. There was, he had tons and tons of money. Even the Queen of Sheba gave him a stipend from her royal uh, treasury every month. 
And that was just one queen. That wasn't all the other people that came with all kinds of treasure. Then we have the good old days. Oh, why can't we just be back in the good old days? Where nothing was wrong. Everything was wonderful. 50s were great. Oh, the 90s were even greater. Anyway, the good old days are meaningless. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10. Do not say, why were the old days better than this? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Why? Because when you were back in those times, there was still evil. There was still all kinds of stuff that was happening. We, you just didn't see it. Why? Because you were innocent as a child. But the world has always been sinful. Everybody is still chasing after sinful pleasures. We just see it more. Why? Because we've got this. And we got newscasters saying, oh, this person got murdered. This person had violence. That's been around since Adam and Eve. Look at the first sin. Murder. They didn't have TikTok, but we knew that the first murder was a brother against the brother. Good old days are meaningless because they'll never come back. Not like you would like it. Meaningless evil. Ecclesiastes 9.3 says this, This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in the hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. Guys, we're all going to die. Poor, rich, famous, not famous, girl, boy, children, everyone's going to die. Why? Because we have a falling nature. Our hearts are above evil of all things. That's why only who can change our hearts? God can change our hearts. And yet we throw him to the side like, no, I can change it myself. No, you can't change it yourself. Even Solomon says here, there's evil in the heart of men and women. We are full of it. Even me, and I'm a preacher. There's only one good person. That's Jesus. Everybody else is evil. That's why we all need Jesus. <laughs> to get to God. And once we figure that out, it's a whole brand new life to know that we can't do it. I don't want to do it. That's a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. So he goes through the conclusion. Now, we already told you the conclusion, but here we go again, because it needs to be repeated over and over again. We need to put this somewhere in our house. We need to put this on our forehead or our, our wrist or something. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. So Solomon did everything you can imagine. Just think of the most pleasurable, wonderful, rich thing, and he did it. And then he came to this conclusion. Now, all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. pretty simple but we can't do it without God for this is the duty or the job of all mankind for God will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing whether it is good or evil you think you get away from it now oh nobody's seeing me do this nobody's seeing me or watching me do this oh nobody's seeing me to, that I'm talking behind somebody's back oh nobody sees me cheating on this test nobody sees me do this there you go again. You're wrong. Jesus sees everything. 
and everything will be judged. Well, I'm bad-mouthing my wife, and I, and I hate her with my speech. God sees that. God will take revenge, unless you have Jesus. Jesus would take the revenge, but you've got to repent and come back to Jesus. Well, I'm lying to somebody. It's just a white lie. It's still a lie. God still sees it. Well, it won't hurt anybody if I take this, if I take this pencil from work. Don't worry, I've taken some tape. I'm sorry. I'll repent. I won't do it again. All things have meaning if it's done with Jesus. Wisdom has meaning if the wisdom comes from God. Pleasure has meaning if it's holy and right in God's kingdom. Time has meaning if our time is spent for God. Riches have meaning if it's spent in the right way. Be present in life with the meaning in Jesus. Evil can be conquered by God's help. All things can have meaning if we put Jesus first, our everybody else second, and ourselves last. Above all, Ecclesiastes is a call to entrust yourself to God, the only solid truth in the entire universe. We cannot trust in anything else. Everyone will fail you. Society will fail you. Government will fail you. America will fail you. Your spouse will fail you. Your friend will fail you. There's only one who does not fail. And we put our trust and faith in him. And then we can forgive others. There is nothing new under the sun, guys. The only truth of the matter is God first. If you put anything else first, it's meaningless, utterly meaningless, pointless, vanity upon vanity. And so Jesus is the meaning of life. Not riches, not glory, not fame, not knowledge, not wisdom, not riches, not pleasure. What is the meaning of life? We have the answer. We have the answer. We need to tell everybody Because if not, it's just meaningless. Jesus is the meaning of life. Let's pray.